Jason and Kate brought to you by Warren Music Pro and On Deck Integrated Communications. Hey, Jason. Good afternoon. Oh, God. <laughs> Jason has been replaced by Spooky Jason. <laughs> Halloween has come early to the yeah. Pick of Idol yeah. podcast. <laughs> Boomage. Oh, how's it going, dude? It's going lit. Is it lit? I heard you had a recording session earlier, and I know who you were recording with. I She's uh, quite the diva, quite an attitude. Some people are professional, and some people, I guess, aren't is the best, the sweetest way to put it. Yeah. You know, this particular person um, is, I'm pretty sure, a close relative to satan and i'm not sure if she ever actually went to um you know get her dna checked or anything like that but i'm pretty sure that would be that would be you know it'd be like 99 percent you're related to satan yeah like on ancestry.com you could trace it back right like right. she's it's like oh satan and you're 20 percent irish or whatever <laughs> <laughs> It was me. He was recording with me, um, which was a very fun experience. I'm excited about what's going on. Yeah, so, I, you're doing, you know, and I'm not just saying this because we're on a podcast together, but you're doing a, an incredible, incredible job for somebody who's doing their first vocal session. So it's pretty, pretty uh, fly. Thanks. I'll uh, I'll pay you for that later. Cool. <laughs> You can just Venmo me right now. Perfect. <laughs> um, I didn't get your Venmo yet. Oh. Yeah. I think you it's s- your reception is. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll switch over to AM. <laughs> <laughs> it has been very fun. I get to blow up your entire Friday, which is a very fun part of my week. Boomage. It is. But here's where it it turns really bad is we have to talk about the deftones today which is just such a such a bummer it's not the deftones it's just deftones <laughs> <laughs> we already talked we talked about that briefly and, you know, yeah in a previous go- episode well sometimes you just want to highlight an artist that is terrible with a terrible discography uh they're not good at music. They're so. not good at music. Uh, no, quite quite the opposite. And what's really fun, and I don't think we've done this yet, is the... I guess we did this with Billie Eilish. I take that back last week. But we're talking about an artist who the album that we're covering is their most recent album, which is yeah. awesome. Yeah. And was also not our original intention. No. We actually... I hope we don't get in trouble from the FDA... Um, oh, so but um, we actually recorded this episode already, and basically, I decided that um, I kind of sounded like I was talking out my butt because you know how you do that thing, and like I'm not usually one of those guys who goes, "This is exactly what the information is." I'm I'll usually say, "I think that this is it," but there were like many things that I I said. I let's put it this way: I wasn't fact checking myself. Deftones. As we get into this, you'll realize it's one of my favorite bands. There are moments now lately where I'm thinking it is my favorite modern band right now. 
Um, and that's what's so funny about it is you would think that I would just, you know, be one of those people that, you know, knows the year that every record dropped and exactly how many records there are and blah, blah, blah. But I was just kind of spitting out things and going, I think this is it. And I don't know if people want to come back and listen to this. They probably hope that anything that we don't know, will at least check. So we're going to do that this time when we do it. For sure. And it's, I actually find myself doing that more with artists I love, which is kind of silly. Um, but because I just want to go listen to their music, I don't like care what year the album came. Yeah. <laughs> Not so much. And sometimes, you know, usually I'll do my due diligence, certainly in preparation for this podcast, but kind of just in general. Um, but a lot of times I'm like, I don't give a shit about the name of this album. I just want to listen to this album. <laughs> yeah. There, there definitely is an element of that. It's like, I'm so excited to just, you know, it dropped into my Apple music and I know I'm like, you know, now I think I'm like one of like 3% of earth was still listening to Apple music and I haven't done the, the Spotify switch yet. But, um, you know, when it dropped in, you know, I'm, you know, they dropped two singles and I was just so excited to hear them. But what's interesting is the plan was to do Koi no Yokan, which was because for me, it's, it, it's my favorite. And, um, I think I can safely say now that it's been eclipsed by ohms total eclipse of the ohms you're fired <laughs> i deserve that that's the third podcast in a row i believe that one of us fired the other one so this is not looking good for our future and really we should be firing our fact-checking intern because they didn't do a good job on the last one. Oh, so. willis yeah willis yeah. sometimes i'm like what you talking about yeah. you know it's almost <laughs> <laughs> It's almost like he doesn't even exist. It it's sometimes. almost like it's we weird. don't have anybody fact checking. It's so yeah. weird. You know, like you know the engineering crew. You know, we should probably say hi, say hi to Bella and Christian. Hi, Bella and Christian. Hi, I'm Bella. Hi, I'm Christian. Sister Two. Christian, specifically. Oh gosh, Night Ranger. When are we going to do that episode? <laughs> This is the second time we're not going to release the Deftones one. Yeah. We're just going to go right into the Night Ranger one. Yeah. Um, but this is very exciting because you love the Deftones. I love the Deftones. You love the Deftones. I love the Deftones. And it, it's kind of cool that something that dropped, and we were going to drop this episode the week that the new album dropped too, or the week after, I think. Yeah, it would have been, yeah. I mean, it's hard to say now. I mean, you know, we're being so, which I think is smart. We're just being so diligent about trying to do this right and when we're dropping. So who knows? You know, it's funny. You said before, right before Halloween. And the one thing that we both know is you're going to hear this episode after Halloween. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, but, um, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, and so we, we switched gears because I think we've both had time to process the new album a little bit more and it kind of raced to the top of our, our little Deftone hearts. I'm going to so, cry. And it is incredible. And I want to dive in with something specific that you said, which was that they dropped the two singles before this album. And there's something really cool that the Deftones achieved that, to me, not a lot of bands achieve, where I love the single, and I know it's a Deftone song. And then I also love that single in the context of the rest of the album. So they kind of have this signature sound in their album and also like a signature song that you know is a Deftone song that you love 
And then for me, at least, I appreciate it even more in the context. But to be able to fall in love with those different modalities of falling in love with it on its own and then falling in love with it in the greater story of the album, I'll say, is so cool. And it's not something that everybody accomplishes if you take... um, you know, if Taylor Swift drops a, a single or Ariana Grande drops a single, I don't, I'm not picking on pop artists here. Just examples that came to my mind. Sometimes I really like the single and then I listen back to them in the album and it doesn't really add anything for me. It doesn't do a ton for me. Um, and sometimes those singles aren't representative of the album necessarily in any way, which is its own lost art form in my opinion. Um, but it's just so something that's so refreshing is that like I loved this thing on its own and then I fall even more in love with it in in the context of the album true 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 and I love the fact that the the two singles you know for me when they dropped ohms um you know I always love when I hear an artist that I already know I love um dropping something that is so inherently them, but there's an evolution that makes me kind of go, huh. And that riff that they start off with um, is was to me, a, you know, it was like, it was it's weird, especially when I listen to it now. I'm like, oh, it's Deftones. But at first I was like, this is different. Um, and then, you know, the way the tune evolved is is just incredible. And then what I loved is, you know, I guess a week or two before the record dropped, they then they dropped Genesis. And that one was like, oh, here we go. Deftones. <laughs> like Agreed. that was like Deftones, you know, and it was like that typical thing that they do that I really love is like the album starter is typically this one that just kind of melts your face right off. Um, yeah, They do do that and they do it very well. Um, yeah. And I'm with you. I loved that the one that felt more signature Deftones in a way came second because um, they already gave me something to chew on that was different. And then it was like, yeah, they they had hit that sweet spot that the Deftones hit so super well. Um, So you got this appetizer that was like, what is going to happen on this album? And then you're like, oh, but we still got some some real like up the middle Deftones on this as well. Yeah. And let's talk about the fact that you... Basically, it was just a year ago, right, that you shared the stage with the Deftones? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but you actually did get to um, perform on the same bill as them, I'll say. Yeah. Um, while they were on the rise, which is, I think that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, they were on the first step. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't want it to seem like, you know, we didn't, you know, play Madison with them. Madison Square Garden. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't like they were opening up for corn <laughs> or anything like that yet. Um, um, but, uh, I, I believe we figured it out. I, I was trying to figure it out. It must've been at the saint, um, in Asbury park, which by the way, you know, last I heard, I mean, it is COVID. So gosh, who knows what is going on with any of these venues, but that was still, you know, Asbury park was, wasn't, and has once again, over the last decade become a really great place for original music. And the Saint is certainly one of those, one of those venues that um, I mean has been around since is you know for as long as I've been playing uh, gigs, and it was one of those things where if you work hard enough, uh, it wasn't a place that you could just walk into and get a gig. But if you're playing and 
and you're you're working hard and you're getting out there and gigging, they'll give you a shot. And, you know, um, I don't know how they do things now, but, it, you know, it, back then it seemed like everywhere you played, there were like eight, you know, eight bands. Um, and, you know, you would get a half hour set, but that included your uh, setup and breakdown. So, you know, you really played for 20 minutes because you had like, you know, and that's if you could set up and break down in 10 minutes, which for a lot of people w was almost impossible. So maybe you're doing 15, um, <laughs> you know, and, you know, this was one of those things where, um, you know, a lot of times these gigs you would have, you know, seven or eight of the band or seven out of the eight bands would be local bands, a lot of which we'd say, oh, we know those guys. We played here with them. We played there with them. Um, and, um, you know, uh, there would usually be one every once in a while, especially if it was a weekend night, which this must have been. And there would be one sort of national act um, that was in the midst of some tour or something like that. Um, and, you know, they that was who they who they were. And, you know, I just remember. <laughs> um, I certainly didn't listen to them like a fan or anything like that. I didn't know who they were. Um, but there's also this thing that I've experienced that when you're about to play um, or, you know, when I'm about to play, I, it doesn't matter who is on. I mean, you, David Gilmore could be up there playing, you know, uh, <laughs> shine on you crazy diamond. And I'm, I'm not thinking about it. I'm in my own little world. Uh, because we literally we went on after them, which is a really fu funny thing. It's a really, really, really funny thing. So what I just heard is that you shared the stage with the Deftones and David Gilmore. That's, uh, that's yeah, what right. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I heard. You heard it here, folks. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> um, but you know, I do vividly remember um standing the way this setup was it was like we were off to the side kind of of where they were um uh, just kind of sitting there with our gear that's what you did and i you know certain instances and in today it still exists too at certain places where it's like you know i have my guitar and my amp and i'm like you know basically waiting for the gun to go off so we could like race on stage like it's the you know you know like it's the olympics or something and, um, you know, I remember just kind of standing and, and, and just like for a second, I was overtaken um, because this wasn't, you know, back then everybody was, you know, playing grunge or everybody was playing like what we called hardcore or, you know, I mean, there's always that kind of a thing. Um, and I think what there was a, just a moment where I, I, I immediately recognized two absolute emphatic facts which were a these guys are so much better than we are <laughs> this is and, and this is not going to be fun following that because i don't know if we can trick the crowd um uh you know or keep them from recognizing that um and number two you know the other thing was this is not something i'm hearing every day this is not something i'm hearing every week at every gig i'm playing this is something that's that is is definitely a new a new thing um and i you know it was absolutely not even within the next year probably within the next six months 
where a guitar teacher came to me and said, hey, you have to get this record. It's called Adrenaline by Deftones. And I was like, who? And they were like, and, you know, he was like Deftones. And I was like, what? <laughs> this, is, this is those dudes. And cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that album freaking rocks. And, you know, it's one of those things where, again, they probably were playing. I'm sure they were playing tunes from that record. But, um, you know, at the moment, I I was paying a lot more attention to what we were about to do. You know? Of course. Two questions for you. The first was, did you go on after them because you like sold more tickets or because you were trying to like earn your spot for longer and more local? Do you remember any of that? Or was it's just this is you guys go on before the headliner? Well, you know, we, you know, probably back then I would have told you that we were headlining. Um, (laughs) uh, And I actually I don't remember if somebody was after us. Um, you know, there are a lot of things that go on with times. You know, people always assume that the last band is the headliner, but it depends on what time that last band is on. If the last band is on at 1130, they're, they're not headlining because sure. some people don't even want to be there. Um, you, you know, I know like if you play at Debonair, which is a great place to play for anybody who's local to New York, who, you, you know, wants to play a show just right across the bridge in New Jersey. It's it's a great place. They do a lot of original music um, and they'll give you a chance. Uh, they usually put you on a Wednesday at first. But if you bring some peeps and put on a cool show, they'll they'll they'll, they'll bring you somewhere else, or, you know, they'll give you another night on the weekend. Um, and like, you know, the best example I can think of is like usually their their quote unquote headline spot, the spot that they kind of give to people um, who they feel deserves it is probably like that 10 o'clock spot. Um and therefore, you know, if you play at seven, well, obviously you're not headlining. And if you play at 11 or 12, then you're you're kind of not either. Um, it, you know, there's this thing that goes along with going and seeing, you know, much bigger shows like at MSG or at some sort of a, um, um, it, you know, a festival where, you know, that last band is is the headliner Um and there's just this assumption when you're playing local gigs and stuff like that, that that's the same way it is. So when you're 19 or whatever I was at the time, I'm sure I, you know, if we were the last band that night, I'm sure I was telling people, oh, yeah, we're headlining. So come check us out. The Deftones opened for you. Is he, what I just yeah, heard. yeah, they absolutely did. Um, and um, they, you know, there could be who knows, there could be another million things. Like I said, they were out of town. They're from California. They were all the way over here. Um which I assume they weren't doing much yet at that point. Um, and it could have been a scheduling thing. You know, they could have booked that gig and been like, look, we need to get to, I don't know, uh, Connecticut that night because we want to get there tonight and play tomorrow. Uh, we want to get set up in the hotel so we can maybe get some sleep. Um, and you know, it could have been something like that where they were like, can we play at eight 30? And, um, you know, and then, you know, obviously the venue told us, well, you guys can play at nine. Um, gotcha. But I, you know, it's funny. You're talking about tickets. I don't think and don't quote me on this, but I don't think the Saint is one of those places. I um, remember that here. You'll get like a nice glimpse into like 19 year old hotshot Kate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but not really. Truly, um, we used to go to Starland for Westgate oh, yeah. gigs, oh, which yeah featured uh many of our our mutual friends but in a project 
bunch of jerk faces. Bunch of jerk faces. Kurt, George, Alex. Um, jerks. All jerks. All making really boring music today. Yeah, just smelly people. Just smelly jerks. Yeah. Um, that was the original name of the project was Smelly Jerks, and then they changed it to Westgate. Didn't work. I don't know why. I guess I thought it fit, but and like it should connect with people. <laughs> yeah. So, but I remember there was like a we would go to Starland Ballroom, which is a lovely venue, and there was like this stigma about like they they got put on a lot of shows because they would bring people because our whole group of college friends would go or whatever. Yeah. They've always been very good at that. Yeah. yeah. And we would go and basically there would be a headliner that didn't actually draw, but they wanted the place to look packed. So there was this whole thing like, Oh, leave before the headliner comes on so that they know, like, so that they feel that kind of, um, and like kind of trying to like, which at 19 year olds, you like, we're sending a message. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, yeah. Message, yeah, fuck message this. not received. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we're all, well, they're like, I don't give a shit. We have the money. We don't yeah. fucking care. Um, but yeah, we were like, we were, you know, in Applebee's after the show or whatever, thinking we were hot shit because we all left in Power Man 5000 or whoever the fuck was oh, playing God. to nobody. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but it is funny, like the, yeah, I remember at the end those. of the day, like the promoter is like, I got the money, so who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, um, it, 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 you know, um, it's one of those weird things too, where you know we talk about Power Men Five Thousand. Well, you can say what you want, but they had worked uh, a hell of a lot to get to the point where they were on that tour and headline. And you know, Starland, a place like that, you know, we think of it as our local, you know, one of our local venues. But that that's a great gig. Uh, I've never headlined there. Um, uh, that's not true. Once. Uh, that's true. Once. But. Um, and that wasn't my, one of my projects. Wait, can I we was, checked in with our, our fact checking intern? Did he yeah. headline once? Uh, that's Darla. That's the wrong. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. Darla. Yeah. Can you, can you make some phone calls and, and find out if that's true? No, I'm an intern. <sighs> I don't not I'll pay you. Coffee you. If you want. <laughs> <laughs> I don't not pay you Darla <laughs> to not do your fucking job. I forgot your splendor. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those days. Um, but yeah, so you were saying that you once headlined at Starland, probably. Yeah, and it was it was you know it was a it was a hired thing. You know, sure. it wasn't you know it wasn't any of my incredibly brilliant rock and roll outfits that I've you know been honored to, uh, or I'm sorry that the world has been honored to be in contact with. Um, gosh, I'm so humble, but. Um, you know, but I've I've played that I've played that place you know a handful of times, and it's first of all it's a great place to play. Um, it I mean it sounds great, everything sounds great, and um, you know, but it, it, you know it it takes it takes a it takes a lot more. You know, you were mentioning you know you're talking about Westgate at nineteen. It immediately thought of you know me and Hal and the Planets at nineteen and. And, you know, there's that same attitude where it's like, hey, man, we brought, you know, the 250 people to, you know. But it's like, well, Paramount 5000, in order to get that gig, probably sold 100,000 records. Right. So there's a lot more. Uh, and, and that took a lot of, uh, you know, that took a lot of a lot of work on the, the on the business side that I've never been very fabulous at. Um and, you know, that's, a hard, you know, I remember we played, there was a place called Obsessions. I think it's finally closed. 
Um, but it was out in Randolph, which is really funny because it's like in the middle of nowhere. Um, there are places in Jersey that are in the middle of nowhere. And oh yeah, there are. <laughs> yeah. And we uh we you know, we played there so many times and we thought we were just cooler than than fly juice. Be that that's a thing, by the way. Um, because we started getting to the point where we would play there so often that the that the owner slash booker would um you know, pay us in pizza and and I'm not kidding. And um and also kind of give us whatever spot we wanted. And whenever there was a national act, uh, and when I say national act, you know, I'm talking like, um, you, you know, life of agony before, like way before anybody, like, you know, bands that we didn't know um, that, you know, some of them were great. I'm not trying to say they were, they were good or bad. Some, I mean, life of agony was amazing live back in the day, but um, you know, it wasn't like, you know, Pearl Jam wasn't coming and, and playing these games. In Randolph, New Jersey. No. It, no. So, uh, but you know, he would call us and just make us feel so great and be like, how on the planets you guys, you get whatever you want. You guys want to play right before the headliner. And we had an instant, like you just described where the place was, this is the only time I ever saw that place packed. And there was a band called nude swirl <laughs> who had like an MTV video and, um, they nude were uh, swirl. Yeah. They were called nude swirl. And, <laughs> you know, I knew like, you know, as I like, I only knew the song because I think I made it by my business too, because of course, yeah, it was like, you know, we got put on this gig and I was like, well, who the hell is nude swirl? Let me go check it out. And, you know, I went and saw the video and heard the song and I was like, Oh, this is like every other sort of, you know, because this is like after grunge had happened, uh, but the record companies didn't know that. So everything grunge was coming out now, <laughs> you know, it was like all these copies. It just sounded like watered down versions of the good shit that was coming out three or four years earlier. Um, and that's what they were. Um, and they were completely, they were, they were one of the rudest acts, um, that we've ever worked with. Oh, we are burying nude swirl on this podcast right now. Well, yeah, I, I'm <laughs> sure they're stocking shelves somewhere anyway at this point and it's horrible, but whatever. Um, you know, and it, it, you know, they were, they, they wouldn't let us use the green room and they, there wasn't even really a green room. It was like a, it was like a, a room that had all the equipment that people left there. Um, and you know, uh, like a chair and you know, they wouldn't, but it was nice. It's always nice to have a little room where, when, when there's seven or eight bands playing where at least you can put some of your equipment and you can maybe go in there and get a breather um, and they, you know, nobody's allowed in the room and, and all this stuff. And they were, we're just, swirling our nudity. You can't come in here. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we had one of those nights where we sold a ton of tickets and, you know, um, you know, back then, you know, I'm sure it's still the same. It's like, sometimes you're just like, what, why did everybody show up tonight? You know, we played the last, whatever, six weeks on the, here and there. And, you know, you missed us the last five times that we played for an hour and a half because we were headlining at this local gig or this local gig. And now here you are. We're playing a 25 minute set ahead of nude swirl and you all showed up. <laughs> um, and it was a moment where, you know, I looked at the place and went, wow, this place is packed. You know, I guess nude swirl is a little, you know, I guess they got something going on. And um, then we got off the stage and, you know, sort of packed all our stuff up. And then as they started their set, we looked out and there was like nobody. There were like literally 10 people 
Um, and I'm not saying it was just us, you know, there were five or six other bands. So it, it seemed like a good portion of the crowd was there either for us or for the other local bands that had preceded them. And that, that felt really good. You know, when you, when you go somewhere, um, that's one thing I always told myself is if I ever am lucky enough to have some sort of success, um, to, I owe it to myself and they did too. And that's why I don't really feel bad for blowing them up because I think, you know, we really owe it to ourselves to, if you are having any kind of success to treat the people on their way up with as much respect and dignity that you would have wished people had treated you with on your way up, you know? Of course, especially when you recognize that those people, like you said, you're, Working for pizza and wrestling, they call it for a hot dog and a handshake. Is why that's <laughs> what you're making. Like it's it's that same kind of thing where, like, and they're making a a sacrifice themselves. Like they're they're not making money off this gig probably, and they're here. So yeah, like a little a little humanity goes a long way if you're yeah. at the one at the top. Um, follow especially back. when you're not at the top yet. You're like on the first rung. Whoa. Are you saying nude swirl <laughs> is not superseding the beetle? You know, and I don't know how you get about karma, but I, it's funny because I have thought about that time, like my whole life, because they, they disappeared and they were just gone with, within, you know. And for all I know, you're going to Google, like you should Google it. See, I'm, I'm going to Google. You should Google it. See I'm if there's still a thing. I'm scared to Google nude swirl to see what Well, you know, let's see what comes <laughs> up on that one. Another, we got another uh, different kind of podcast coming up after this. Um <laughs> But, you know, for all I know, I mean, I hear about this stuff all the time. Maybe they're still a band and they're and, you know, they're whatever they're local and they're figuring out a way to get to get through it. Um, But my impression from my meeting them and and, you know, through the experience is that they're probably, like I said, stocking shelves somewhere. They were from New Brunswick, New Jersey. They were from New Jersey? Yeah, so oh they actually should have drawn at that gig. Oh my god, that makes it so much funnier. That's amazing. They were they're from like 20 minutes where we from where we played. A half hour maybe. And 20 <laughs> minutes where I reside now actually. So oh, the only songs that come up are F Sharp, Gordon's Corner, and Buffalo and I don't know any of them. Well, does it say anything about like how long they were together? I'm going to, I'm going to click so on. That's so weird that they were from New Brunswick and they couldn't get anybody that show. And draw. Um, I'm going to pull up their discography right now. Nope. They had two albums. They had a second. <laughs> I think it's, well, it's by the same name. So it must've just been a re-release on. Yeah. It looks like it was a re-release on Megaforce Entertainment, their label. Um, um, oh, so it's the same record just released twice. It's it's they're both a self-titled one came out in 89 and one came out in 93. And I think that's what this is, because the 93 one is probably when we played with them. There you go. Yeah, that's their only discography. <laughs> so they didn't well, yeah. even make it past that. Yeah. No. And, it, I, you know, especially now, hindsight is 2020 in <laughs> 2020. Um, but especially now when I look back, it's like, it's very easy to look at the, just the whole way they were doing everything and be like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't, you know, it's funny. We talked about the Deftones and seeing them at, uh, you know, at the Saint, and, um, I, you know, and we, you and I have talked about this before. I mean, there have been many, 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 many times in my life where I've been lucky enough to play a show with an artist or a band or whatever, where I'm just like, oh my 
And the percentage of those that I ended up seeing, I mean, I can name one other one, the Toadies were another band that I, I didn't play with them. I saw them with somebody, you know, very in New York. And I don't think they're from around here either. And it was like a very small thing. And they were opening up for somebody who wasn't even big. And, you know, one of those things, they're throwing their drum set in front of the, in front of the, the actual band and playing for 20 minutes. And they were, you know, another thing where I was like, holy crap, these guys are sick. And then, you know, six months later, I'm here in Rubberneck and, and, and losing my mind. I really like them, too. Um, but it's funny, those two instances, let's talk about the Toadies and Deftones. You know, it was very obvious to me that they were doing something right um, in a way that we were not. Um, a lot of it for me is always that like music, musical professionalism, the all different kinds of professionalism in this business. Sometimes you can be a great business person and the way that you communicate with people is, is, you know, really helps out your cause and things like that. But I'm just talking about these guys knew their tunes and they knew them inside and out and, uh, and they knew the tone they were looking for and they, um, they knew how to put together a set. And they knew and, you know, Chino knew how to how to uh, get the crowd involved and, and how much to say and how little to say, which is sometimes more important. A blessing, to be honest. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Knowing what not to say and when to stop talking are under, especially when you're talking about like a 20 minute set. Don't spend. Yeah. Don't spend like well, those, minutes. They, they probably me- did a little. I'm assuming. You know, a lot of times what I was saying, you know, regardless of the time when you have somebody, you know, a lot of times those places when they had somebody coming in on a tour, you know, they'll probably give them some time. You know, I bet you they got an hour set, which would have meant they would have played for 45 minutes or something like that. Sure. You know, but that's like a our friend George, who we referenced earlier. That's a pet peeve he has that I empathize with. Which is like, we all know you have merch in the back, man. Like for a lot of bands, like don't spend your stage time telling me you have merch in the back. Um, so, so, so yeah. Um, I. So buttons. So buttons. Hey, you want to get into this vinyl? Um, what vinyl? Oh. Oh, like the reason why we're here. Yay! Oh, right, right, You want right. to talk about uh, the vinyl that we picked on Pick a Vinyl? You work? Fine. Okay. I know. And listening to the Deftones certainly feels like work. <laughs> Before we get into the track listing, I do want to just talk about the incredible consistency. Um, because we talked a little bit about that this is a nice evolution. Um, but as far as bands that don't really have an album that misses... <laughs> <laughs> Like, I mean, just it, it's tremendous to me how consistent they are. And the first time we recorded this podcast, I also <laughs> made note of the fact that like they'll go away for a few years and come back. But it's not like Tool where they go away for an egregiously long time um, okay. and come back. And to Tool's credit, they always come back with something that rules. So I feel like it's justified, but they'll. No, I think four years is the most they've gone between albums, and they just really don't have an album that from front to back, you're like, this doesn't feel like them, or this isn't very good. Usually it's like, no, this is great. <laughs> this is really great stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, I I think that, especially in in in, in this vein, I mean, I, hard rock metal, I mean, you think of like Queens of the Stone Age, 
you know, uh, the two bands that I think of that I uh, that are at the top of this sort of dying kind of music, uh, in my opinion, would be Queens of the Stone Age and Deftones. And, you know, the formula has changed. It used to be, you know, for a while, it was almost like once a year, you know, late 60s, early 70s, you got bands, you know, coming out with albums every year or, or more. You know, the Beatles, of course, didn't tour towards the end, so it's a little easier for them to stay in the studio. But even, you know, bands like Zeppelin that were touring, they're still putting out a record every year. And then, you know, as things went on, the it kind of became this typical two-year thing where it was like we we spend a year you know, writing and preparing and rehearsing this record that we're going to do, and then we spend a year touring. Um, and then we, and then it's sort of that cycle that became two years. And, um, I think that that time, and I don't know why exactly, but I think that that time has kind of increased because if you look at, you know, the, uh, Deftones, I think are really good at sort of sticking to their thing. You know, um, Ohms is 2020, uh, Gore was 2016, Koino Yokan was 2012, um, so, you know, and I, I can't go back there without actually going back and looking at, and, and looking at, uh, Apple music, but, um, <clears throat> I know there was a period earlier on where it was more like two years for them. Um, but they've worked into this, you know, I expect another Deftones record in 2024. I'd be surprised if we got it earlier and I'd be a little sad if we got it later. Um, and, and that's part of, but yeah, that consistency, you know, the last time we did this, I was talking about how Gore was unimpressive to me. I mean, I still liked it, but like, you know, after Koino Yokan, which was the record we were originally going to do because it, it's like my favorite, um, I had listened to Gore and I didn't appreciate it. After we talked about it, I talked to my friend Matt, who's, you know, we, he and I are like identical in a lot of ways with a lot of the music we like. And he, his eyes opened and they almost popped out of his head when I said that. And he goes, man, you got to go back and listen to Gore. And I have. And guess what? It's great. <laughs> so <laughs> let's uh, also give Matt credit. Not only your friend, but maybe the best live drummer we've ever seen. I mean, he's just <laughs> best drummer. Yeah. Yeah. Not even. I guess I always just go to live. He's memory, the best drummer so. in the world. Matt Fritz. There you go. Never thought I would know the best drummer in the world, but I do. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, part of, I think, and you're not the only one to do that with Gore either. And I think the bar is just so damn high with them. And maybe never higher than after Koyo no Khan, if I can say that title properly ever. Um, I feel like that's a lot of people's favorite deaf talk. People go to Diamond Eyes a lot. Yeah. Um, but I feel like the bar was just very, very high. And so I don't know what Gore could have done to meet the expectations of that. So I, I, I think part of that is very just true. so high in the sky with um, expectations. But let's get in to Ohms. Um, to me, the reason that this superseded Koyo uh, no Khan for me, because that was also my favorite. I don't even know if we talked about that, but that was that was my yeah. favorite. Diamond Eyes, I, I do quite love. Um, but, what a Deftones album. I love them I all. Love the, oh, yeah, that's the problem. I love, but the funny thing I always found about Diamond Eyes is that's probably towards the bottom for me. 
And it is that's that I think for, you know, especially before Koinoyo Khan, um, I think Diamond Eyes was like, you know, that was the album for most Deftones fans that I talked to. But and I'm not saying I don't love it. And again, that's one of the, the amazing things about this band. I love all the records, but um, you know, I also really dug into them right away. So when when I think of, you know, everything from the self-titled album and whatever that was, 2000 and back. Um, so, you know, Adrenaline Around the Fur uh, was it? I think Saturday Night Wrist is even in there. And then um, and then, you know, the um, or was it White Pony? I forget which one came first. But, you know, those first three or four, there's so much nostalgia in it for me because a lot of that stuff I was, you know, going to school uh, and finally learning about music. <laughs> um, and, you know, and it was one of, the, you know, they were one of the bands that was really inspiring me. And so, which is why, you know, Diamond Eyes, I don't think I put it quite with like Adrenaline or, or Around the Fur because those are so nostalgic. Like they bring me back to being like in college and, and, you know, meeting other musicians and being inspired and, and, you know, even, you know, there, it's one of those things where I was young enough where I could still kind of smell the air that I was smelling the day that the record came out, which is like the coolest thing. You know? One of the most yeah. underrated powers of music, I think, is your, it's ability to just time travel you. It, it's, it's something that you can definitely experience if you get it. Um, but it's nearly impossible to explain what it's like to just crawl back to a moment in time that you're not in. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, this kind of is a nice segue. Ohms is superseded things because we've talked about this ad nauseum, but this is a perfect example of it. Production not overcompensating for great songs. Like it was just like they were able to use this resource to the fullest extent with these incredible songs on this album. So it was like you got um a Deftones album, which means it's a great album. <laughs> and you got to add this modern production into it. And, and it was just so tastefully done and used. So I just keep saying the word tasteful, but it really is like, it, it's, it's just um, makes the vision complete for me on this album in the most crystal clear way. But you know, if you saw this live, you wouldn't be like, "Oh, I'm missing the production." You would be like, "This album fucking rules." Yeah. Um, but let's get into the track listing. We have Genesis, which, like you said, is just like it's a kick in the balls. Yeah, it's a kick yeah. in the balls. It melts your face off from the beginning, which is a common Deftones theme with their albums. Um, it goes into Ceremony. I don't even yeah, know what to the, say about the, these except like it's great. It's the, just great. It's like the, the <laughs> second, third, and fourth tracks, right? Um, this is something that I always love. So Deftones and Corn started around the same time. Um, I think that certainly from a from a large um, success standpoint, you know, Corn enjoyed it much earlier. Um, but they can't help, but there are some things where they were experimenting with some similar, um, some, some, some similar ideas. Um, some of the way that they grooved on the drums, um, some of the way they made noise on the guitar, 
um, and even some some um, some things vocally, where at least I can hear like, all right, well, you know, these guys aren't copying each other, but they're definitely at the same point on that music timeline, and listening to a lot of the same, um, you know, influences, and um, coming up with a lot of the similar. Oh, this kind of is where you know, we're going to evolve into that kind of takes music to that next level. Um, and what I loved is you have Genesis, which is so modern. It's such a modern, modern, modern Deftones tune. And then you got two or three tracks in a row where each one in their own way kind of brings me back to some of those um, to some of those similarities they had with Korn as 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 budding comp- composers, and I love that. I do too. This whole album for me, this might be why I like it. Is it, I feel like we get so many different shades of what the Deftones do from previous albums. Like it's almost like it's its own best hits album while still all being original music, and that's so true. You have like these kind of things that are reminiscent of that budding time, like you said, but it does kick off with this like super modern <laughs> Deftones track, which is a lot of my favorite albums from artists are like that. Marshall Mathers LP two from Eminem that does that for me. Um, it, it, to just pull out all of the best sides of this incredibly complex coin. Um, it, it's, it's the best. <laughs> it's tubular. I'm going to let you pronounce the third track. Arantia. Arantia. <laughs> I'm sure I'm going to do it better than you. I'm sure you will. I think it's <laughs> yeah, Urantia. Urantia? Urantia? Yeah. Uh, yep, that's it. Yep. You're in mm-hmm. town? Oh, Error, the spell of... Oh, my gosh. What a great record. Oh, my God. Okay. Truly. And the, the spell of... So it goes Urantia, we think. Um, error, which all I think kind of fit in what you were talking about, about that like kind of more budding sound yeah. back at their roots. The spell of mathematics closing outside one of the album. I love that song. I don't know about you, but it just, um, it's great. Yeah, the, <laughs> what do gu- I say other than it's great? The guitar tone. I mean, the guitar tone through the whole record. I mean, that's, I get, I get mad at them every single time. And, you know, it's funny because I've talked about this. I think that's why I missed Gore a little bit at first because there was a huge change for my ears in the guitar tone between Koino Yokan and, and Gore. And my, first instinct was like oh cool and then my second one was wow i really miss the guitar tone from koino yokan and you know that's not that's not the idea um and uh it's interesting because when you get to ohms i think it's kind of a hybrid it's almost like they continue to evolve their tone um you know i find it to be you know even you know miles above where 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 they had managed to get to with koino yokan but there's this sort of crunchy, um, you know, there was like a like an oatmeal-y kind of uh, uh, analog-y kind of um, thing that was happening on Gore with the guitar tone that, I, you know, it's funny. You would think I would love because I love that stuff um, that is still kind of there um, with with ohms. But on the other hand, that thing that I love about them, that like ragey kind of. Uh, you know, where it's almost like I picture, uh, you know, I picture them with the guitars in their hands, just like not knowing 
how to control this beast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and that's there throughout the whole record. Um, and yeah, and uh, with the spell of mathematics, that that's uh, that guitar tone is very, very, very obvious to me. On that. And overall, you and I have talked on the first unreleased episode of this a little bit. And at length that the drum production on this entire record is just, it's upsetting how good it is. I don't even, you know, it, I'm so sad that I'm going to say this because I'm sure we're going to do a, um, an episode on, on, on the following album. But when tool came out with fear inoculum, I within, you know, by the time I listened for the third time, I said, there's never going to be another metal record that sounds this amazing. Um, and it's crazy to me that it's just about a year later. Um, and, you know, we talk about Matt again. We always talk about, like, I remember just calling him after Fear Inoculum and being like, how does Danny Carey get better? How does he get better? Because what's apparent in that recording is just... Um, how it's almost like they stayed out of the way from a production standpoint so that you could actually hear what Danny Carey sounds like as a drummer um, in an amazing, incredible way uh, that I, I had never experienced. And there's a similar kind of thing to that um, on this. Um, but the kick and the snare, like it's just, it's everything. It, you know, I, I love and hate when this happens, you know, I sit here and turn knobs and, and compress this and compress that and try this reverb and this delay and this thing. And, you know, uh, how do I get the kick to sound like I want? And then, you know, I get it to the point where I go, wow, I think that sounds really good. And then you hear the drums on this record and you go, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it's so full and so clear at the same time. It's, it's really impressive. Yeah. The drum, the drums are, you know, uh, and again, that was the same. The first thing that Matt said, he was like, these drums, what, like how, it's really and it's throughout the whole record, but it's a it's 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 incredibly evident from the moment the drums pop in with Genesis where you're just like, what? And to me, I think on the unreleased version, I also mentioned that I had seen a tweet about Deftones when this came out that said Deftones is for people who have mental issues but still want to have sex. <laughs> It's like sad and angry, but sexy at the same time. At Cherry Waves by them, that's like to me the the perfect uh, microcosm of it. But yeah. I think that the drum production actually plays a big part in the sexy, sad, angry thing. Um, and just the the whole Deftones sound. Like I laugh at that tweet, but it really is incredible how this album doesn't make me feel one thing. It makes me feel a lot of things, which is true of a lot of great albums, but there are songs individually on here and spell of mathematics, I think is one of them that make me in the same song feel eight different ways. And I don't yeah. know if there's the, anybody's better at that than the, the Deftones of creating a catharsis on so many different fronts. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because catharsis. So I've begun a workout regimen. Woohoo. Boomage. Brag about it. Uh, well, I've lost 52 pounds. It's no big deal. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Actually, probably more than that by now. <clears throat> fine. I'll no find deal. out on Sunday and I'll get back to you guys. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but, you know, one of the things I do is every day I do an hour of cardio. And um, 
I switch it up. And typically whatever artist we're doing is, uh, is somebody that I'll go heavy that week. And most days I try to listen to that artist leading up. And, but since I've started, which was right around the time this record came out. Um, yeah, was, was it actually hasn't been that long. It's been about two months, which is, it's been out for about two months. I'd say, right. Something like that. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, not only this record, but one of the things I've been doing is just like going to Deftones and hitting shuffle. Um, so it's not just ohms, it's Deftones as a whole. Like there, at least right now, today in 2020, there is not another single artist that makes working out more doable. And it's because of everything you just said, I, I've found myself getting embarrassed because I start realizing that I'm on the treadmill thinking I'm by myself and I'm not, I'm at a gym and <laughs> like I start getting like emotional as I'm starting to listen, you know, because you know, either something's, you know, ripping my heart out of my chest or I, I want to just like break the treadmill. Um, but more than anything else, it just gets me moving so much. And it is incredible because if I listen to almost most other artists, even even I'm not talking about artists I don't like or artists I like. I'm talking about a lot of the artists that we've talked about. Sure. We know how much I loved everyone we've worked so far. Except the Beatles. You Except really, for well, you they're, the Beatles. They're just, you know, sort of, you know, they're they're they just stink at music. They, were just, just, they they were just kind of there. I wouldn't even say yeah. they stink. They just yeah. they just didn't they didn't move the chains on music. Yeah. I, yeah, they just didn't really <laughs> do much. And anyway. <laughs> but you know, um, this is the single artist right now. I have to argue with myself at the gym at this point in order to not either shuffle Deftones or pick a Deftones record and use that to work out because any other artist I'm looking down and we, you know, we talk about, you know, Oh, it's, it's five minutes. Oh, it's, I look down and it's five minutes and 22 seconds. That was 22 seconds, you know, and I'm not kidding. A couple days ago, I was doing ohms. And I and the the re, and 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 when Ohms came on, I went what? And I looked down, and you know, for a Deftones record, this is actually kind of short because it all fits on one vinyl, and it's although I have to check some of them, do I? I think as well, but it's like I never thought of Deftones as being a forty-five minute album kind of band. Sure. And this out, you know, this this is probably just short of forty-five. Um, which means when I'm working out, I still have another 15 minutes um, when I'm done listening. And I remember Deftones, we're going to need you to include some bonus tracks there moving we go. forward so we can get to the end of our workout. Yeah, if we could go ahead and do that, <laughs> that would be great. But, you know, it's just interesting, that difference. And it, you know, um, where I, I, Ohms comes on, this happened a couple days ago. Ohms came on and I just went, what? And I look down and I'm, you know, 43 minutes into the workout and I have to find something else to to shuffle or or in my case, another Deftones album to start for the next 15 minutes. Um, and that that was a something that, at, you know, and I would say if you ask me almost on a yearly basis, you know, who that artist is, that that is that for me, where that's the thing that is going to affect me the greatest in 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 a workout setting you know it's probably a different almost every if you had said last year it would have been fear inoculum by far 
Um, and it's still a great album for me to work out to. But, you know, right now, Deftones are just like top of the list. And I have to say, and I almost hesitate to bring this up because I don't want to sound hot takey, but I think it's an important hot take. You and I have talked about like true metal should be that. And there's not a lot of artists right now that are producing true metal. There's a lot of people producing very, very, very hard rock. I'll say that. <laughs> but uh. true metal in the vein of a Black Sabbath and a Metallica, Deftones fits into that category. And there's just not that many people that are doing that right now. And yeah. I don't even know if, quote unquote, metal. I, I shouldn't say that. But there's definitely some, quote unquote, metal radio stations that aren't playing this as metal, which is a shame and are playing things that are kind of like watered down metal. Well, okay. So we've talked, I think it was either the first or second episode. We spent a lot of time talking about how, what a lot of people don't realize is a lot of these genres that we love so much that we want to put everything in that, on that shelf. We feel like everything needs to be on a shelf before we've even created it. And, you know, Metallica, you know, wasn't sitting there going, we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to start a metal band. Uh, you know, Black Sabbath, geez, more than anything, that, that word didn't even exist. Um, and, you know, the biggest thing that sometimes it, it gets me almost sad is I feel like with metal in particular, I am really lucky to be the age that I'm at because when I was 17, you know, and um, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, you know, Tool was coming out with their first, well, their second record. And, you know, Rage Against the Machine was coming out with records, it was with their first record. And, you know, even like, uh, you know, Stone Temple Pilots, which, you know, was the, especially the first record was a heavy record. And Alice in Chains and... Um, you know, and then you had things like, you, you know, shortly after like Marilyn Manson, who they're, they're especially his early stuff, I thought was really, 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 really heavy and, and, and angry. And, you know, I've even argued at points Nine Inch Nails, who obviously they called industrial and, you know, but um, to me, I guess the, you know, at that point, the um, the best examples of what was metal to me had done one thing which was scare the shit out of me, <laughs> you know, in a, in, 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 in a very different way. If Metallica was Black Sabbath, I wouldn't have been scared because it's like, I've already been to that horror movie. I know when this, when the guy comes out with the thing and chases her down and I know she's not going to get into the car and all this stuff. Um, you know, when the virgin is going to die or not die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and, you know, and, and again, you know, when it happened for me, you know, in the 90s and with all of these, what I saw at the time as these sort of different brands of, to me, what was still metal because they were still doing things that scared the crap out of it. It was like, you know, frightening, um, you know, uh, but that Tool album, my God, like when I heard um, Prison Sex, I was like, you know, I'm a good little Catholic boy who went to Catholic school and I'm not even kidding. I was like, not sure that I should be listening to this, you know, and Black Sabbath. I was definitely not sure that I should. Should I pray when I'm done listening to this? Because <laughs> am I going to go somewhere not cool? 
And, um, you know, that was like my whole, my whole life. And, you know, you get to probably around the 2000 where all of a sudden, you know, there are now, you know, they even, I remember they, they even talk about Metallica and they, they call it thrash and, you know, that had its own thing. And, um, you know, then you're either doing this sort of hardcore thing or you're doing thrash metal or you're doing death metal or you're doing new metal or you're doing, you know, um, core, 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 core. I've talked about that, that I love the suffix of core because, uh, like, oh, yeah, pop. Popcore is still metal as long as it has core on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, and I feel like, you know, to a degree, um, a lot of these artists that I had loved for so long, there was this element, whether it was true or not, there was a mystique about them just being such sort of rebellious creatures and, and, and mystical where, um, you, you know, you weren't turning on MTV and, and seeing James Hetfield's face every day getting interviewed. Uh, this was something you had to seek out. And maybe you'd find a dark picture of him in, in the corner of uh, the cover of Kill 'Em All. But like, you know, you didn't really there was this there, there was a mystique. And, um, you know, and in professionalism, Jesus, that that wasn't even like a word. It was like almost like. These were sort of the non-professional representatives. These were all the people that were going completely against the grain of whatever was happening um, commercially. Um, and it developed, by, like I said, by the time the millennium started to switch over into this thing where hard rock and metal became this very professional, very formulaic um, um, it, it, it became like, like pop where it's like, you're going to go in, your guitar is going to be tuned down to a, you're going to use an axe effects. Um, you're, you're going to, we're going to, uh, grid the drums, which by the way, means that no matter what the drummer played and a lot of metal drummers are fantastic. We're going to take everything he did and we're going to line it up exactly with the click or the metronome. Um, and we're going to do the same with the bass and the guitar, and we're going to make everything perfect and land exactly where it's supposed to be. Um, and, um, <clears throat> you know, we're going to record your vocals this way. And and these are the topics that we talk about as metal bands. And this is the vocal tone that we use as metal bands. And, you know, a lot of cases it's today we scream. And it's funny because I remember hearing, um, you know, Phil from Pantera and, you know, and then Sepultura and then like Crowbar, which are three examples from where at least when I heard them, you know, late 80s, early 90s of different quote unquote screams, right, that were very individual. I could I mean, still today, if Phil screamed one word, I'd go, that's Phil. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, same thing with Pantera and with Crowbar. And you fast forward 30 years and it's like every um, every every quote unquote metal band is doing that thing and not in an involved way, not in an in, in individual way. If you hear Phil screaming, it's like it, 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 it's like he's in a vocal booth, um, like just trying to get out. And it's just this real emotive um, 
the rage that is just uncontrollably being just squeezed out of him. And he wasn't thinking about who, you know, whether he was doing it right or not. It's so funny you brought that up because I was going to steer the conversation here that to be a metal band, basically, if you scream, you're metal now. And Metallica did it in this growl way, right? Like where it wasn't screaming. It's like if you scream, you're a metal band and none of the quote unquote godfathers of metal, like we just talked about all those earlier metal bands. None of them were really doing that until you got to the three that you just named are are perfect examples of it. Um, You want to talk about the B side of this album real fast? Yeah. I mean, we are running low on time, so we probably should race through it. We should. (laughs) But that was an important point. Like, I, I think that's really important to talk about. Um, yeah, people ask me who who the great metal bands are. I mean, today it's like you know the Deftones. I I think it's Deftones oh. and Tool, and a lot of people are like Tool. They're a progressive band, and I'm like, dude, they were metal in 1992 to me, and they're metal today. And whether they you know play in alternate time signatures or whatever you think you know uh, puts them in this on this shelf, um, like I said, it's a lot simpler for me. Do you scare the crap out of me? Uh, do you allow me to feel and and release uh, the negative emotions that I don't want in me anymore? And and you know, to me, so it's like those two. It's like Deftones and Tool. And you said it before. There are so many kids that are ten years or more younger than me that would say, "Well, they're not even metal bands," right? You know, and it's like, no, t- that's like what it's supposed to be, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go down. The B side of this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Pompeii. Horrible. Terrible song. Yeah. I mean, just ridiculous. The link is dead. Oh, jeez. That might be my my sleeper a little bit. I yeah. Don't know if you can call any of these sleepers, but that that might be one that every time I get to it, I'm like, fuck, I forgot how good this is. Yeah. <laughs> Radiant City. That is mine. That's yeah. Those two being back to back. I'm. Yeah. Radiant I'm, City is definitely my. Wow. Okay. This, I mean, right now it might even be my favorite, but it's hard to say. Yeah. It changes it. My favorite song off this album is the one I just listened to. Like, there's just no way. (laughs) (laughs) Headless. Which is that the one that's right before? uh, Um, Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 That one is, um, that one is so funny. The end of it always makes me sad because then I hear ohms and it's so funny and I love it so much. But this is such a good sign of how much I love this record. When I hear Ohms, as much as I love the song, I get sad. Because it's, o- like, oh, like, it's, it's going to be over soon. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a, a great sign, truly. Yeah. And I love that Genesis and Ohms are um, the opener and closer of this. And those were our two singles Perfect. off of it, right? I mean, just absolute perfection. Like we said, one is completely different and one is more signature. So just kudos to them on the whole release. And you mentioned they're on like this almost this presidential cycle of releases where we get it yeah. every four years. Sometimes Ooh, interesting. Get... I never thought of that. It always lines up with the election too. I never realized that previously interim elections, which yeah. is great. Get out there. Well, um, but, um, I, I think I completely lost my train of thought. What you're, was I going to say? You're fired. Oh, with, can we get a new Kate in here? Um, Darla <laughs> <laughs> with, uh, these longer cycles, it is cool that we kind of get, I feel like we get longer burns um, because you do have these single drops before the album. It's like they take up more space kind of in the year. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Jason. 
Do you know what time it is? It's the lightning round! <laughs> what is it again? It's the lightning round! Oh I love your guitar I tone. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I've been listening to ohms a lot. Um, it shows. It really shows. Hey, Jason. Hey, Kate. If there was one thing you want listeners to take away from this episode and this band... What is it? Um, you know, it's interesting. I think we touched touched on it. I hope that I would love for y- the younger generation that really is dip- digging into a lot of metal to realize that um, the the ones that are holding the torch are not the ones that are so reminiscent of all the other metal bands you've heard. The ones that are holding the torch are the ones that have those individual uh, and unique sounds that are impossible to mimic. And what's even more impressive is they're doing it while holding torches. Yeah, it's it's truly. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I could I could do it, but whatever. Of course, mine would be, um, and we talked about this a little bit: responsible listenership. Go listen to things in context. Listen to singles in full albums because it gives you. Just like an entirely different perspective that I think is really important. And yeah. um, your artists pay attention to that stuff. So Darn tootin' they do. Darn tootin'. What's one album that listeners of this podcast should absolutely go back and listen to? Okay. <laughs> um, self-titled. And, 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 and here's why. Because I, ha- I forgot. Um, that was a record that like, you know, I know I like them all, but there are nine now and sometimes it's, it's tough to keep track. Right. Um, and you know, through the process of preparing, I've been doing either shuffling or, you know, certain days I'll just say, Oh, you know, and I, and I, a couple days ago I put on, I put on the, um, the self-titled and I was like, Whoa, this is insane. It, it, you know, it's what's interesting is I think sonically it sounds better than some of the records that came out after that, um, and that's one of the things that popped out. But also, it's it's I, I for me it was underrated. So I wonder if it's like that for other Deftones fans. I'll go back and listen. Very cool, and actually a different answer than I think uh, the first time we recorded this. So that rules. I probably would have said Adrenaline. Yes. Correct. Because, and it is, it's such a special place in my heart because it's like I was so young and it's still very nostalgic. God. And I'm, Bored, still to this day, is one of my favorite metal tracks ever written. I'm um, so jealous because all of my, like, growing up songs were, like, lit. And oh, God. <laughs> I have so many nostalgic songs that are trash. Um, what is one song that listeners of this podcast should absolutely go back and listen to? If you can. Radiant. Do. Okay. I like that. What is yeah, this yeah. kind of it's but you know, it's funny, you were talking about listening being responsible, listening to the whole album, and immediately I thought of, wow, what if I only heard Ohms and Genesis? Wow, that would suck. Yeah. Um yep. but wait, is that the full cause I'm horrible with song names. Is is it is it Radiant, Radiant City? Radiant City, right. Radiant City. The whole city. city is radiant. Yeah. That <laughs> that that is one that, you know, if you've heard the two singles and you're not and you're too lazy to listen to the record. At least listen to Radiant City because you'll be you'll be really impressed by that one. I think. 
um, what is an underrated song or album from this band? I think you kind of, maybe it's the same where you said the self-titled. Self-titled or I underrated Gore. <laughs> sure. Because I went back and listened and went, wow, this is great. Um, so it's interesting, you know, um, we've talked about this before. I feel like the stuff that really, really sticks with me is the stuff that I maybe don't get it the first or second or third or fourth listen. It took me a full three and a half listens to even understand what in the world was going on with fear inoculum. But that's, I'm used to that with tool because I never get it. And then I go, Oh, you know, um, but you know, and I, I, you know, it's funny. The Deftones often is a little bit more accessible for me right at the moment. Um, but it's aspects of it. And some of the aspects that I don't necessarily get hooked into on day one, um, will always I'll always eventually get hooked by him and so I guess I would say if there's any album because you know preparing for this I did a lot of those things and I'm a huge fan so I think I know you know like oh well I know I don't like gore that was one thing I don't really like that album and I went back and I was like you were wrong dude and you know um it wasn't like I thought to myself I didn't like the the um self-titled I was kind of like it was kind of like, well, that's one of the records, you know? Yes. And then I went back and I was like, no, 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 no. This one's really sick. So, you know, any, if you're a fan and you have certain records, you know, maybe you think Saturday Night Wrist is all right. Well, go back because you'll probably think it's sick when you, when you listen to it again, you know? To me, that's almost a landmark of a great album is to hear things you hadn't heard before. Word, um, word, word. That happens to me with Mumford and Sons, actually. The oh, albums. I love them. I love them too. We might and- have to do one of them. Every time I, I go back to listen to either of their albums, um, I, I pick stuff up that I, I missed before. That happens with a lot of great artists. Final question, Jason. Uh-oh. And I know what the answer is going to be. But is there any song or album that you just can't stand from the Deftones? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> See, it's funny. We are, I'm probably, I know we talked, I'm not going to go into it again, but they're, some of my favorite artists really do have that stuff. Yes. Um, and we're going to, it's going to be fun when we get there, but the Deftones yeah. are not going to get us. No, there. <laughs> there, there's not a chance. There's, there's never been a moment, you know, what's interesting is the only stuff. And I wouldn't talk about that because I think that, you know, like B sides and rarities, um, you, you know, uh, the, the big, they have some covers on there and they're like, and again, I haven't really dug in, but there are a couple of covers where I wasn't a hundred percent turned on by the way they went after it w- upon my original listening. But uh, it doesn't count anyway to me because, you know, what they are is a group of composers and, and, and incredible ones. And no, 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 nothing. I like them all. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. And it's just two dimensional. So it's like even the ones that I like less are still great. It's just not my favorite thing that the Deftones do or whatever. So. Right. But yeah. Well, Jason. Kate. Darla. Christian, everybody, this whole crew here. Mac. Making it work. Mac is definitely actually a very integral part. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Mac is certainly, it's yeah. Mac Day. He's doing all the work right now. <laughs> um, I'm so glad we got to talk about the Deftones, and I'm glad that we did this episode and not our last one, because I think it was really fun to digest the most recent album by a band that has such a storied history and to to dig in with you so thank you so much for joining me jason thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for our next episode of pick a vinyl podcast
divine.